Thank you for listening to our Celebration Sermon Podcast. Celebration is a worshiping community within Heart of White Ministries. We gather at 9 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Heart of White Campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Celebration community in Heart of White Ministries, please visit heartofwhite.com. Well, the topic, if you will, is identity and, and personal identity. And this idea, this question about identity is all wrapped up in how you answer this question, namely, who am I? For me, who is Bill Lindner Jr.? Just what is it that makes me the me that I am? It requires some self-reflection. The term that I like for self-reflection is navigating the pathways of my own heart. And if you ponder that question, who I am for some time, you'll begin to see that there's lots of levels and threads and components of a real answer. Some are more important, some are more at the core, others are less important and sort of lightweight and trivial. Here's one, I am a Christ follower, that's significant. Here's another, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. You knew I'd get to that. One is important, one is trivial. But personality, whatever comes to us, is that answer to the question, who am I? Here's a key observation with regard to identity. The times, they are a-changing. How we answer that question is different now than when I began ministry, different now than in previous history. Centuries ago, I would have said something like, I am a vassal of the Duke of this land. My folks would have been serfs. We would have had a top dog. That would have been our identification. When I was young, I could say that I was Bill Jr., son of William and Audrey. I answered the question of who am I with relationships and accomplishments. I have a degree from this college or seminary. But that's changed. Now, the answers we bring to this question are much more internal and self-identified, and that's a huge change, I would suggest to you. Identity that includes relationships, identity that is self-determined, those are very different things. Bill and Audrey's son, I'm not that kind of person. I identify myself in this way. Those are different things. And those two things are different than this thing. I am not my own. So friends, things are changing, but the truth of the gospel, we use this phrase from the Heidelberg Catechism to encapsulate all that the scripture teaches. The gospel remains our North Star, our laser light of direction, our hope in a changing world. So here's the question for this week, who am I? In answer to that question, I want to give you kind of a, a quick layout of how it may be have presented across time so that we can clearly hear the gospel in the midst of that. Who am I? <laughs> and a part of that is, says who? Where do we get it from? Three basic observations that most of us have either experienced or observed, usually in some sort of combination of both in different parts. The first is what we'll call traditional. It's external and given 
to us, pressed into roles. Our identity might be determined by our tribe, by our surrounding culture, by our family. But identity is figured out, here's the answer. If you can live it out, you're good. If you can't live it out, eh, you're falling short. If you rebel against it, oh boy, off the reservation, you're gone. There's been a shift to what I'm going to call the current vision. And there's a lot we could say about that. I'm convinced it's been 300 years in the making, but that we have crossed within the five years that I've been here at Harderwijk, we have crossed a tipping point. This current create yourself sort of world is now the predominant view. It seems everywhere, even as it feels very, very different. This create yourself world where be true to yourself, where by that Buick, oh, it's so you. Do you hear? It's all around us. My colleague, JB, he brings to our sermon planning and preparation, he brings the father of Disney age children perspective. And he pointed out how Snow White would find herself in a relationship with Prince Charming. But now we're frozen and Elsa needs to discover who she is. See, it's all around us. And I would suggest to you, young people, parents, grandparents, we're all being catechized in a you-do-you you kind of worldview. Boy, that rhymes, doesn't it? Look within to find who you truly are. Friends, I want to tell you, in light of the gospel, I looked within and you know what I found? was a manipulative sinner, frightened and broken. So whether traditional and the role is given to you or create yourself, I want to suggest to you that both of those are different than the way the gospel would answer this question. The gospel of God's grace would speak to us about being in Christ. In Christ is the key term that runs throughout the New Testament that gives us insight in how we answer that question, who am I? In Christ is a phrase used in one way or the other almost a hundred times through the New Testament. I attach to our celebration inform, the email I send out Thursday nights, a document with 15 of my favorite in Christ statements. Romans 3:24. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. One that has set me free, Romans 8:11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Dead to sin, because I'm alive in Christ. Romans 8:1. There is therefore now only a little bit of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why aren't you throwing things? Because the scripture says that in Christ, there is now no condemnation. The Holy Spirit may convict me of sin, but when I hear that inner voice of condemnation, I know that it is not God's message for me. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Friends, I want to tell you, in Christ is a key um, New Testament theme, and it speaks to us about who we are and equips us in how we ought to live. 
two important things is this status, this identity is one that's received. It's a work of God's grace. I don't earn it. I don't figure it out. I don't get it from my family or my church. It is a work. My church should help me, point me towards it. But my church membership won't get me there. My church membership should help point me and ask me to deal with it. But it's a work of God's grace. And it's something that I receive. I can cultivate it. We saw spiritual gifts cultivated already and used to glorify God. We are given a gift of grace and respond by faith. There is a difference between receiving a identity from the world around you, from declaring identity from within yourself, and from the gospel. Let me take one concrete example of this as a way I've seen it. I've watched it change over my very short lifetime. And my lifetime has been short compared to the history of the world Christian movement. I remember a time with regard to the role of women. There was a sense that to be a woman was all tied up in being a wife and a mother, a child-bearing. There was a role to fulfill, and a woman was expected to do that. That was such a key thing, and it's that way in so many cultures. You see it in the Old Testament. If a woman is unable to bear children, it's soul-crushing to her identity. Think of Sarah. Think of Hannah. How could you be a woman without bearing children? That was a role given. You live up to it or you don't. Well, I've lived through a time in which now it's so much about self-expression. I am who I am. I declare who I am. And that's who you need to affirm and approve. But that's got its own crushing nature. Let me read to you from a great cultural icon. This is Madonna. I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. She's motivated by a lack of enoughness. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and think, I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I will have to prove once again that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. I want to tell you, we were not created to build our own identity. I've looked at myself and guess what? I am mediocre. There are moments of brilliance. I could talk about this with you and I could think of at least two. There are moments of brilliance, but even though I am mediocre, I am loved. That is the gospel. Being a woman is about more than a role or more than about self-expression. What if your identity as a woman were to begin from the foundation at its deepest core? I'm a deeply loved, fully adopted and secure 
daughter of the great creator king. You see, that's a whole different way of living. The role or the self-expression is a purely imminent frame sort of thing, just making the best of what I have in this world. But the adoption that comes through Christ, the gospel identity is transcendent and it enters into our imminent world. It changes us from the outside. We've been using um, the Believe book, which lines up scripture uh, for us to read through the course of the week. Chapter four this week, you would have read a number of uh, passages from Genesis to Revelation about this question of identity and who we are. And four things stood out. With a gospel-rooted identity, first there is a new name. We are a changed person. An example is Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. In our text this morning, it talked about a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what Revelation says is our final hope. With that new name, new person comes a new covenant. That is to say, we have a a different source of security. Not in what I'm able to do, not in what I'm able to fool you into thinking about me, but based instead on God, who he is and what he's done. I have a changed security. The ability to say, yeah, I'm nothing special, but I'm loved, is a life-changing thing. We're adopted into a new family, a community of faith, people who through Christ have come to that same new name, new covenant. Now, it's important, and I'll just touch this in passing, every person you'll ever meet is an image bearer of the living God. You will not meet a person. As I pray, I'm aware, who who do you hate? Hamas, image bearers, broken, rebellious perhaps, but image bearers. Who are you scared of? Image bearer. Who would you like to not be like? Image bearer. We are all image bearers, but something has broken our humanness. And the answer that God has to image bearers that are broken is the cross, the Lord Jesus, and that adoption that the Spirit would cry out within us, Paul writes in Romans, Abba, Father. This idea of image bearer and the hope of adoption, this is the gospel at work. One of the great contributions of the gospel to Western civilization is this idea that every person is valuable. Today in the CRC, we've set aside a a Sunday focus on those with disabilities, and rightly so in the gospel. I love the term differently abled, even more than disabled. Different abilities gathered as God's people, valuable because image bearers, whether our brokenness is like mine, a matter of the heart, whether there's challenges physically, our hope in Christ invites all to new life and to great and good things. We value every person, even as we talk of the goodness of the gospel, because we all have a new future. We're heirs of the living God, the good news. So you see, rather than can I live up to my role, rather than can I express myself and get you to agree. The gospel gives us an identity, God's work of grace in our hearts that transforms us. Identity then becomes a question of 
calling, living out our gospel-rooted identity. A world with roles says, do this with your life. Oh, you're the son of a king, you're a prince, get ready to rule. Oh, you're the son of a serf, get ready to be a serf. Do this with your life. Self-expression says, what do you want to do with your life? The gospel would say, what has God called you to with your life? This is the question for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. There was a time when I thought I had that all figured out. At 14, I had life figured out. It was about football and cheerleaders. Oh boy, did I need a change in life, and God gave that to me. It became a question of calling. What has God called you to? What are the gifts he's given you? What are the opportunities that shape your life? What are the ways he would call you to make a difference in his good work on planet Earth? Friends, I want to tell you that what God has called you to for your life is best encapsulated. We use this term a lot at Heart Awake in the journey to be found in, formed by, and following Jesus. That's going to be a journey of discovery. We saw in those two disciples who walked with Jesus, they discovered from Jerusalem to Emmaus, we saw they didn't have everything figured out. Friends, may the world see in Celebration Hardawike a people who don't have everything figured out and can face it. Because in our midst is one who is leading us to the next step, to a deeper understanding, a deeper relationship, a deeper obedience. It's a journey of discovering. It'll also always be a journey of service. God hasn't rescued us that we might pursue our own desires in life with our own strength. He's rescued us to include us in his kingdom, an expression, a portion of the body of Christ, to be a part of the world Christian movement. God has called us outside the doors of this building to live his grace and goodness and love. Most of all, what's powerful to me in this moment is that this is a journey that's with Jesus. Through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that's been promised to us in the scripture, He'll shape us. He'll guide us. Sometimes that'll feel like conviction. Other times it'll be encouragement that seems to well up from nowhere. Other times it's insight. We journey with Jesus. It struck me that these two on the journey, on the road to Emmaus, they were shaped by God's Word. Jesus would speak to them through the words of the Scripture. But he also met them in the breaking of the bread. And here we see again, when we come to the scripture, we don't come simply to gather principles that we apply in our strength. We come to hear the voice of the good shepherd. When we come to the table, we come for more than just the feeling of a moment. But we come to meet Jesus here in the reality of the spirit. Oh, but it doesn't look physical. You're right, it's bigger than physical. But it's just as real. Friends, we are on a journey. There's an identity that he's called us to. It's about your calling. It's his love for the world in us and through us. Come and receive. Let's turn to the Lord and we'll pray. I want to pray the um, 
heart of white gospel meditation that we use from time to time. Let's turn to the Father and pray. Lord God, I thank you that you call us and you meet us in the Word and that you meet us at the table to shape us. We thank you for the heart of the gospel. And I encourage you, we have the words on the screen. Let's pray together as we prepare for communion. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for me and for all humanity, I am not my own. But instead, by the working of his grace, I am a deeply loved and fully adopted child of the great creator king. Jesus has loved me first and loved me as I am, right here and right now, not as I should be or could be. He has also given the Holy Spirit to work in me, transforming me day by day into his likeness. In that way, Jesus increasingly works through me as he brings about the restoration and reconciliation of all creation. Spirit, help me to believe this and increasingly see the evidence of your work in my life, values, and actions. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our celebration community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at hardawike.com.